Hello, everyone, and welcome to our f- the first edition of Gallo and Alberta Business Because It Matters. I'm here today with Trudy Callahan from Oddvod Media, and you might know her and her uh, her publication of Edify Magazine. I'm so excited to have you here today, Trudy. Um, I'm very nervous, so I'm glad you're my first guest. Um, when did we first meet? It's a long time ago. It's a long time ago. I don't remember the year. Um, I think maybe it was around 2012 or something like that. That's right. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was 2012. I had just bought, bought my first practice, leaving the, uh, the Big Four accounting. And uh, you were one of uh, Penny's longest clients and, and one of my first clients, actually. Oh, wow. You know, Penny had been our accountant for a long time, I think since the 90s. So, you know, it had been several years. Can I tell you something? Sure. When I don't I, know. I'm kind of afraid. <laughs> when I first met you, uh, we talked a little bit about the structure of our companies and so on. You came in and met with us in our building. Um, that was with my my partner who's since passed away, but he was there with me. And when you left, I turned to him and said, I want Penny back. I, he doesn't <laughs> even understand how we're structured and you seemed really young and we thought, oh my goodness, how's this going to go? And now... You, you know, we've, we're friends now and you've helped, helped me through some really difficult times as well. Well, it's been 10 years and I've lost most of my hair now. So hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully uh, you feel comfortable talking to me. So how you been? I'm well. You know, we've been through some tough times here. You know, in my business, which is based on journalism, um, journalistic storytelling, we had to we survived the pandemic, but now we're living with some other other kinds of things where journalism is being devalued. So I really trust um, my my the professional team that are around me and you especially to help me through all this. Yeah, well, th- thanks for that. I mean, I can certainly attest. I mean, you know, when I'm spending time with clients, um, the ambiguity currently of everything that's going on it makes them not want to act. And, and I think, you know, we're here to talk about business in Alberta because it matters. And maybe, you know, it matters to me. I mean, I'm, I wasn't born in Alberta. I was born in, in Eastern Ontario. I came out here because I was in the military. But um, wow, I love this province and, and, and I want to see you know, business succeed. Um, but yeah, right now, everyone's just really concerned. They don't know what's going on. You know, there's just so many things up in the air, whether it's, you know, people affectionately talk about changing economy around carbon or where oil is going to go or, uh, you know, the, the political situation from the war in, in Ukraine and, and, and how it affects us here in, in Alberta. I mean, people are nervous. Absolutely. But I think that's one of the reasons why you're so good at your job is because uh, and the and you've been successfully Thanks. in growing the firm is because you bring a, a uh, depth of experience and some um, entrepreneurial aspects to your own career that I don't often see in accountants. I find that accountants often record what happened. They aren't actually helping you make it happen or even um, having foresight to see what might happen. I mean, yeah, I, I think I, I, I share that that opinion to a certain extent. I, I'd hate to label everyone the same brush, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, I was blessed, I, I guess, to, to have, a, have a career before accounting. Um, and it was a career that was just, every day was ambiguous. We just didn't know what we were going to do. And, and, you know, you could be going to base in the morning with your regimental fitness gear on. And that afternoon, you, you might be deployed because, you know, someone rammed some planes into a tower. You just didn't know what was going to happen. And so I think that, that sort of, that sort of uh, ability to adapt um, 
has helped me when I when I came into you know for the lack of a better word the civilian world and 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 entered into business. Then I'm okay with change. I'm okay if it uh, you know it's raining today, but if we walk out and it's sunny, I'm okay with that too. Hmm. So because of that, you have do you have a certain optimism around business? Because I have to tell you, like in my industry, we're just getting hammered. I sometimes feel like I'm playing a game of whack-a-mole every day. I never know what is going to come at me. That and it's an it's an entirely different feeling than say 10 years ago there are always challenges in business I like I've been in business a long time so it's not new for me to to feel challenged it's the kind of challenge right now it's everything from trying to get staff to I'm dealing with AI in my in my industry and people telling me well magazines don't need to exist anymore because everyone's just going to go on the internet and get it from AI (laughs) and you know all of that but I I'm also an optimist so how how do those contradictory things all fit together, John? Yeah, you know, if you there's a there's a website, uh, you know, on on the internet that you know jobs that are going to be the first to be taken by AI, and and guess what? It's accountants, right? But we haven't <laughs> been busier, so um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if that's I don't think you have something to worry about. I think there's always a need for human interaction, but um, yeah, I mean, yeah. So to answer your question, you know, I have a I have a saying. <laughs> Um, I'm on the right side of the dirt, right? So it's, uh, I'm always happy. If I wake up and I'm on the right side of the dirt, then uh, the day's only going to get better. So um, yeah, I'm generally an optimist. And uh, I think that came from my previous career for sure. Because uh, it could always get worse. <laughs> you, you might think you're in the suck, but as we say, the suck can only start to suck even more. So um, yeah, I'm an optimist. Uh, I think if we're willing to adapt and, and nothing, you know, with, you know, when we talk about technology, and I, I'm by no means a technology expert, but uh, this is, everything we do is a human business. And, you know, you know, in our business, I'm blessed to work always with young, with you know young, recently graduated university people, and I tell them, you know, you, you this this profession this of accounting generally attracts or is known to attract people that are introverts that that like to be in front of keyboards and plug away, but. Um, we are no different than the server in a restaurant or the waiter or the bell person. Um, our goal is to put smile on people's faces. We are, we are, this is a people, every business is a people business. I mean, why are we on this earth if we can't inter- interact and have a little, little bit of smiles at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. Pine really Guinness, good. I guess. Yeah, that, that's really great. And that's something I've experienced in a, being a client with your firm is that even if I'm talking with the person who answers the phone or um, or someone else, because often, you know, I'm, I'm involved in some boards that also um, send their financials to you. And I sometimes help with those review engagements. And I've noticed that, do you know that? I don't know if we're allowed to, to say the name, but, but one of the boards you're involved with, uh, I got an email the other day. Uh, from an old colonel, an old boss of mine, who's uh, retired in Victoria, and he said, "My child is involved. They they work at that that um, that not for profit that uh, that." Oh, is that right? The arts organization. The arts organization. Can Thank, we I, say this, John? Can we I, just I, I, say? I'll, yeah, go ahead. You okay, s- it is Ballet Edmonton. So I've been the chair of Ballet Edmonton for a dozen years. Came from nowhere, really, um, because Stephen and Lynn Mandel thought that 
that Edmonton should have its own ballet company. And, uh, you know, we've grown it up. It is now becoming kind of a gem in Canada, performed at the National Arts Centre in March to a standing ovation in a full house. And I brought that, because I'm chair, and I just really needed to make sure that I had good books. And have you, you've taken that on, and I really appreciate that you do our review engagement. So, I, you know, it's not only my own business, but I interact with your firm uh, through mm-hmm. that board as well. So w- someone you were worked with has the is there I worked I worked for he was my when I graduated and I was I was an infantry officer I went uh, my first colonel so he, he would have been the big guy when I was a lieutenant uh, and and I went to the to the para company in the airborne and he was the big boss and I was you know nervous to talk to him and uh, he anyways he sent me an email a couple of weeks ago. I haven't seen him in oh gosh 15 years maybe maybe more and uh, he says my daughter dances at the same ballet, because I've seen your advertisement in the in the magazine. I'm like, oh my gosh! And, uh, <laughs> so now, we, next time he comes out to see his daughter, he he says he's going to come see me. So I better stay in shape because uh, last time I saw him, he ran like a jackal. So well, that, okay, small world. So that is that six degrees? No, I would say it's two degrees of separation. Yeah, no, yeah. That's, that's, oh, that's fun. But yeah, so I've interacted with your firm. Like to go back and close that loop, I've interacted with your firm in different ways. And certainly as the chair of that, when we were pretty young, and I didn't really have a full, you know, I didn't have a treasurer, and um, or we were in between treasures or whatever. And so we were. Some of your young staff would do that, or I imagine you assign. Like, are they associates or what? What describe how that works? Yeah, no, that's. I, I laugh a little bit because oftentimes when we're talking to uh, prospective clients, they they often that's one of their questions is how much are you involved in our in our in our file versus you know the the associates because we're you know we're we're what we call um, a firm that that uh, brings in articling students. So we train them. We're a training office, and that's the terminology that CPA Alberta uses. Um, so yeah, we ac- absolutely have uh, young, smart, uh, recently graduated university students uh, articling to get their CPAs. You know, work on your files. They do, you know for affectionately they do the heavy lifting, and, and so and then and then myself uh, come in sort of towards the end for the more analytical and high level sort of stuff. But yeah, it's definitely a team approach. Um, yeah, many hands make like light work. Oh, there you go. Well, I always feel good when I know on my own stuff, someone will say to me from your firm, well, John still has to look at the file. And so I think, oh, okay, so John's going to look. Uh, every time. Oh, just for me or for everyone? Every client. Oh, wow. That, that I sign off on. I mean, I have, the firm has partners, so yeah, a partner always looks, looks at the file. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. It's part of our quality control. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things I didn't know... Um, until I really, you know, after I lost my partner who used to sort of take care of things on the financial side more than I ever did, I didn't understand necessarily what, and particularly when I lost him and you helped me through some of that, uh, the work that needed to be done around the estate and, you know, all of those things, I didn't understand exactly the breadth of work. I always think of accountants as filing taxes and doing financial statements. So, you know why I feel like I'm a fairly well-read person, but I just didn't get in its entirety what all a firm, an accounting firm, can bring to a company or even an individual. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, we call that you know the tax filings, the preparation of financial statements, the compliance work. Whether it's you know there's a certain level of assurance on it, but um, I think where the real value is is that. Um, 
we see a lot. We see a lot of different clients, a lot of different companies, and we can see patterns and similarities. And so the value when we're talking to a specific uh, client, whether it's your files or someone else's, is we're able to say, okay, you know, here's the here's the the compliance work that's done. But let's and let's get through that because that's important, right? Uh, you know, Rome needs its penny, so to speak. Um, but now let's talk about because because all those all those statements are historical in nature. Let's now talk about you know how we're going to project that forward, and, and the real value is is around. What are we going to do differently to do better, right? I think I think those are the really good conversations, and and to be fair, that's what keeps me coming to work every day. Um, not every client cares about that, but enough do that, uh, and a majority do, of course. Um, but that's the interesting stuff. Okay, so now we know the history. Now we, you know this has been done. You know that that ship has sailed. What have we learned so that we can we can carry that forward? And I think you know when I was um, in the military. Uh, you know, one thing the military does really good is it, it, it pushes its offers to continue its education. So I had an MBA paid for by the by the military. Um, and, you know, my undergrad was in philosophy, right? So I didn't know the difference between a debitor or a credit before I started my MBA. And I have to admit that I didn't spend much time on my MBA in that financial world. I, because I came from, you know, the military, I focused my MBA work around learning organizations, right? Because that's something we had just come, we had just started the Afghanistan campaign. I had finished my first tour over there and we were learning a lot. And, and um, unfortunately, when armies learn, it tends to come at the, at the expense of, of soldiers. So I was very interested in how to become a better learning organization so we didn't make the same mistakes. Um, and I'm not saying that I was the... the key person in an organization like that but that was sort of my my personal goal was to understand you know how do we you know how do organizations get better at what they do so that's kind of what I focused on in my MBA and I think that's uh that's certainly what I brought out when I became a civilian and became a CPA as as I wanted to kind of take that knowledge and whether it was it's formal and, and often it isn't formal it's not like we're writing up writing a lessons learned plan on your business for the last 12 months but it's the informal conversations that we, we have when we talk about your financials it's almost like the historical financials are the catalyst for a much deeper conversation on the business Mm-hmm. I've certainly experienced that with you. And particularly because, you know, like a lot of industries, and maybe it's every industry, I don't know, we're having to adapt faster. Have you noticed that? Yeah, absolutely. The competition is coming from everywhere. And, you know, as things, what I've seen in Alberta, you know, in the past, everyone could succeed. There was lots of money, lots of business oil and gas was around and then people that that surplus cash was able to fund other ventures so people were able to do things right um it's not like that as much anymore so we have to be much smarter and wiser business people and and competitions coming from everywhere right you talk about ai um but certainly i think in your business you, you know you I forget that website but someone could go get a go get a um a logo and they can go on the internet and get, you know, have a competition sort of thing. And, you know, the quality I'm, I'm not going to talk to, but, but, but that is competition in, in, many, in many ways, right? And, and potentially you could argue that that trains the consumer in a negative way, right? I remember when I was in retail, and I, I shouldn't say I was in retail, but I was on the board of Mountain Equipment Co-op. Uh, when it was still a co-op and not a company. <laughs> um, but uh, we often talked in retail about, um, you know, that sales cycle, you know, the big, 
post-Christmas sale or whatever. And, and if you do that too often, people don't buy. When, when at full markup, they wait for the sale. You've, you've created this behavior. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think to, to, I guess, go back, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but to go back, I, I, yeah, business is moving at, at a very fast pace. And if, if, if we're not good business people, um, watch out. Mm-hmm. I think that the thing I'm, I'm going to say I'm struggling with is where the change uh, takes me to a place that I am no longer comfortable with. So let me unpack that just a little bit for you. Um, I believe in the integrity of journalism. And what I'm seeing right now is there's competition for me amongst uh, magazines, let's say, other magazines, that don't have integrity in the journalism. So what I mean by that is when we, when we write an article in Edify magazine, it's an article, it's editorial, it is fact-checked, it is someone's opinion, separate opinion, that is not paid for. So no one gave us money to write that article. And what I'm seeing is that, um, that, that people are writing what looks like an article, but there is direct revenue from it from someone who benefits. So that's really called an advertorial or a sponsored content piece. But hasn't that, like, I, um, my wife's in healthcare, and I, I remember for, for decades now, celebrating 20 years actually this year, so at least 20 years I, I remember seeing some of her stuff, like from, you know, whether it's milk or something like that, but they've always been doing those sorts of things, right? Around, you know, what do you call them? Editorials? Advertorials? Advertorials. Yeah, or sponsored content. So what do you think's changed then? Well, right now, there are people in my industry who will allow that to run, and, it, and there's nothing in it to tell the reader that it was paid for. That it oh, was okay. sponsored. There's They're always something to, at the bottom of the page, yeah, usually. Yeah, yeah. yeah and so they're sliding it in, and they're passing it off as editorial, but it's not. The other, the other part of this, of course, is that I believe that journalism and having that balanced voice and someone who's separately researching something and then writing an article about that with maybe their own opinion in it, but you understand under their byline that it is their opinion, mm-hmm. that contributes to democracy in our society. And so this is a bigger thing for me. And this, you know, this isn't about accounting, mm-hmm. but this is about where is the tipping point when I am no longer willing to make money. The, if I, the, that's the only way I can make money is to go on what I call the dark side. Yeah, I mean, ethics is important, right? Um, you know, but, it, you know, I guess I'd push back on you and say, is there a market for you to to do it better or, or, or be that advocate for, for, you know, ethical media, I suppose? Well, I'm one person in one city, and this is a, actually a worldwide problem. So I was in, um, I got to be a, one of the delegates that went to um, FIP, the a World Media Congress in Portugal, Lisbon, Portugal, in, uh, in early June. So it was about 450, basically, publishers from around the world. And it was one of the things that we talked about a great deal, is the degradation of, of media. And, and, you know, it, it's a, it's a, a big topic, and I don't know if I, it's your podcast, so it's not yeah. really for me nope. to unpack. Yeah. But, but I do see a degradation in, in writing. As you say, sometimes, sometimes things are not right. And that's because they're not fact-checked. And it's because there's just not enough revenue anymore to do it well. Well, you know, to, to, you know so, so something popped into my mind. I go, I, I'd say to you, and I often say this to my clients, I mean, if you want to get it back to kind of me or accounting, but if you say there's not enough revenue, 
then, you know, the question is why? And often it comes to, to, to demand. So do the, does the population population care? You can't sell something to someone that doesn't want it, right? Um, now, so I guess the you know, are we becoming, you know, as a society, uh, less interested in the truth, mm-hmm, right? That, because yeah, because yeah. if I if I if I if I if I you know, you know, if I go back to my philosophy days in undergrad school, if I if I take your argument, turn it to a a plus b equals c c plus whatever that simple sort of logical. Uh, format that i think what begs the question is is why isn't there revenue and 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 i think that applies that question applies to every, everyone in businesses if there isn't a demand um what's changed with society and then the question becomes is can you be the change agent for society or do you just become a merchant mm-hmm. yeah well and that's the tipping <laughs> that's a point. hard one that's the that you know you look you look at that whole topic it's a worldwide problem yeah, it's a big topic, and I certainly don't have the answers because I'm, I don't have foresight into this. I don't know where this is going, but I, what I, the reason I do what I do, the reason Edify Magazine exists is because I believe in our city, and I believe in edifying our city. Well, you know, like I said, this isn't, I wasn't born in Edmonton, but my, my wife's an Edmontonian, and, and, and I love this city. So let me ask you how, how do you how have you seen business in Edmonton? I mean, Edify has lots of clients that own businesses. In fact, I think that's the number one um, paid advertisements from businesses in Edmonton. Uh, from your perspective, how are you seeing business right now? Uh, I think it's challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have. Uh, a digital magazine called Urban Affairs, mm-hmm. and we've been writing about in that particular one because it's more—it's more not really news-based. It's not news, but we're giving the backstory of issues that are happening in the city, often connected to decisions that city council has made or city administration. Yeah. We're talking about those things, and there, there, the 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 amount of crime in our city right now that is affecting business, like seriously affecting business, and then also the construction. Yeah, like on absolutely. Stony Plain Road, I have some stores that I I frequent, and I'm I I'm people describe me as fierce. Like I I will do anything to get done what I need to get done, and some days I cannot. I know the city. I've lived here all of my absolutely. adult life. Yeah. I can't figure out the way in. Yeah, you know, I mean, I guess full disclosure, I sit on the, on the on the board of the Edmonton Chamber. So, you know, we've certainly talked about this, and I'm not here, obviously, in this capacity, but uh, I am here on my own podcast talking about business in Edmonton because it matters. And, uh, you know, I have, I own property along Stony Plain Road, and, and you know, um, I don't want to get too political here, but I certainly sent a few emails out to our counselors and I have to, you know, I, I will give a shout out to, um, Andrew Knack cause, uh, he actually took it the time to sit down with me and, um, and some of my customers and some of my buildings and talk through some of the issues with the LRT and the shutdown along Stony Plain Road all the way up to 156th street. Um, and, uh, you know, I, he has put forward a motion to, you know, have some property tax relief and I won't go into the mechanisms what that's going to look like for, for the businesses, but, um, you know, kudos to him for, for trying to, trying to keep these businesses afloat. Cause if we lose businesses now, 
uh, you know, along that Stony Plain corridor, no one's going to be there to take the LRT in five years, right? And that's assuming it gets done in five years. And I'm a little cynical about it. So, you know, I'm going to add humor into this for sure because we're going west and we haven't even figured out south yet. But um, <laughs> frustrating. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, sh- I share your concerns around, around um, uh, you know, particularly downtown core, the crime. Uh, you know, I own a building around 151st Street in Sony Plain Road. And, 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 you know, this summer, my son and I had to uh, help revive someone who overdosed. Uh, we have significant crime on our, on our properties. Uh, we've lost tenants. Um, yeah, I mean, just, just last week, I had to call the police on one of my properties because there was a bunch of vagrants building a, a, a lean-to and a, and a, <laughs> on the property, and we had to have them removed. I go to church down in Chinatown, and, and it's... Um, yeah, on Sunday mornings, it's horrible down there, and, and there's no nice way to put it, that's for sure. Well, we do write about this in Urban Affairs, so urbanaffairs.ca, or we call it Urban AF, and if I have to tell you what... <laughs> what does a- AF stand yeah, for? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not telling you. I'm going to say it stands for affairs, but, but you know, we are, we're tackling some of these and making sure that Edmonton has a chance to read the backstory, so we don't just tell the news, or, you know, what's just happened. We give a little bit of backstory and collect some quotes from the people that matter, so, like, we did tell the story about Andrew Neck and... and uh, his motion to have some tax relief, at least, for some of the, the businesses that are being affected by construction. Because they have to be being affected. Um, for the people that don't know, you know, property taxes um, affect, don't affect the business, you know, the owner of the building that much. Because, you know, when you, when you sign a lease with, with a tenant, a retail tenant, um, their lease rate uh, is added on to that lease rate is a property taxes. So if, if their business is doing poorly and the city hasn't adjusted their property taxes, these people are paying property taxes for, quite frankly, an in- inability, particularly along the LRT construction, to actually see customers come into their store. So I mean, Andrew Nax, I think his first motion, and he's not here, so I don't want to speak for him. I think some of his, his fellow counselors didn't like the mechanisms but you know what I what I told him is is you know there's a way that if we're going to give property re, property tax relief to the properties that's it's only contingent on that it flows right to the tenant right so they're they're you know in, in my buildings and I'm not going to give away competitive advantage but and this is the sort of conversation I'll have with my clients and I think that's what you know maybe separates Gallo LLP and you can find us at gallollp.ca is that you know we're entrepreneurs too and and um, so what I said to, to Mr. Knack is that there's a mechanism, you know, in, in, in uh, the combined lease rate that our, our tenants pay, at least almost half of it is, is based on, the, on, on what we call operational costs or their variable costs. And, and of that, about 80% of that in my buildings is property taxes. So, you know, they, they could have almost a 30% reduction in that. That's not that, to them if we could have some property tax relief. And quite frankly, if the city can't have the roads open, they're not doing their job, so they shouldn't be charging property tax to these people. And I think it shows that the city's in a partnership with the tenants, i.e., if you're not going to get the job done quickly, you know, you're going to suffer, city, because you're not getting property taxes. So there's some mechanism or blowback. Uh, uh, abs- absolutely. And, yeah. and, I mean, it, it's a, it, we're in this, you know... <laughs> We're a team, right? You know, like I say to my clients, I think we're in a team. I'm your CFO. Call me before you do anything. And I think the city has to appreciate that. You know, if they're going to build an LRT, they're 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 they've joined a team with the with the retailers. And if they shut down a street, they need to suffer as much as the retailers are going to suffer. And and property taxes is really the only way that they that that the city. I mean, collectively, I guess all of us because we are the city. 
uh, suffer. If we can't get done quickly, then, then there's no revenues. And all the other stuff, all the soft stuff that we like to do has to be put on hold until we get the roads back up and the retailers have people walking and, and proper taxes can get paid. It's pretty incredible, some of the construction issues around. So I live um, Yeah, west, I know where you live. That's a horrible corner. It's a horrible corner. So what's been happening is that um, people get impatient on 142nd Street. They're trying to get onto Stony... No, I guess 102nd Avenue. They, they want to turn right. They cut through my neighborhood. And I, I live... Um, in an area where I have a back alley. And so they're trying to cut down that back alley and they go really fast. And I have to tell you, the only reason I haven't had my car hit when I try to back up is because my car has that thing where it tells me, is it called cross traffic? I don't know. It beeps. beeps. It, it beeps <laughs> so that whatever's coming across the alley, through the alley, I don't back into it. And that is the only reason. So let's loop back a yeah, little absolutely. bit. Back to accounting. Um and your firm. Mm-hmm. So you helped me through a pretty big life situation when I lost my partner and my husband, and we had to figure some things out. Is that just you with the big heart showing up and helping? Or I hope not. I hope. I hope. Uh, I mean, our, our, our. I mean, our profession. Uh, as CPAs, uh, that's our job, right? We're supposed to help people through those those life changes. Um, certainly at the firm, um, we focus on that, and, and, and you know we have a, a few a few key key um, models, I guess, or, or, or things that we we like to try to live by. And, and and you know when when I have my all hands on deck, so to speak, conversations, I you know I tell I tell the team that you know I have three roles, and. Um, one of my roles is to make sure the clients are taken care of, and, and that's, that's, a, that's a collective duty and responsibility. Um, and, and quite frankly, if our client needs us to, to help them walk their dog because they're having a tough day at work, that's our job. We're part of the team. Um, so, you know, no, I, I, I mean, I, I know for a fact, we, you know, your situation, we see it a lot, and, and um, it's our job to try to make that, that life transition as painless as possible. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I would say if you're not doing that as a CPA, uh, you don't understand your role. Hmm. So what are the other two roles? Uh, one um, is to develop the next generation of CPAs. I, I do not want to work forever. Uh, I, I see some people, I go to conferences and I see some people walk in the conference room with their oxygen tank. Uh, I assume only because they love the, love the job, but um, um, I'm a little bit of a mountain man, so one day I want to spend more time in the mountains and and then and less time on the, on the desk. So to develop, so you know, in all seriousness, to develop the next generation of CPA. So I, I you know, I learned that from the military. Um, you always have to be ready for the next person to take charge. And and uh, actually, I'm quite passionate about building the next generation of CPAs, and whether it's for our firm or just for our country, right? CPAs have played a critical critical role in um in our economy and then and the last one is is to uh to make money um i don't think and i tell my clients this i go it's not a bad thing to say i need you know i'm gonna i'm here to make money right um and we have to look at all our business decisions or you know with that lens i mean obviously with compassion stuff like that but we're here to make money and we're in business to make money it's it's risky you think of that you know bring it back to the lrt construction in the west end Someone's put all their capital into their business and they, their decisions should be based on, on a return on that capital and we're here to make money. And, and oftentimes, you know, I, I tell my clients that. I go, I'm not embarrassed to tell my staff we're here to make money. Um, and I'm not embarrassed to tell you we're here to make money and, and you should also 
be very confident in that statement right now you should be ethical you should be you know you know all those appropriate sort of that, that those frameworks but yeah i mean we gotta we gotta make a return on our capital and and quite frankly if you look at it from a and i'm not an economist but from a, a bigger sort of socioeconomic perspective if we're not making money off our capital um we're not moving forward Mm-hmm. Right, we have to make money. Absolutely, that's not a bad thing to to, to plan for. Mm. Okay, thank you for that. So, what else yeah. should we talk talk about today? We've kind of co- we've covered a whole bunch of things <laughs> here, John. What about UFOs? Oh, yeah. UFOs. <laughs> we were talking just before the podcast about UFOs. So, um, <laughs> why not? Right. Well, the American government government is no longer denying it. So, who knows? Yeah, no. The I think. That, that conversation came up in context of, you know, when you're, you're talking about business planning, or uh, which we often do with our clients, you know, and you, you take all the sort of plausible and reasonable scenarios that are going to happen in the next six to 12 months, and you spend all this time planning for them. And I said, well, but no one ever thinks about UFOs. How's that going to affect the economy? And who knows? Maybe they want ice cream, and they love ice cream, so we'll have a bunch of new ice cream stores. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite ice cream store in town? Are you allowed to say? Uh, no, I can't say my favorite, but um, <laughs> I do like the ones that come from Edmonton. I'm, you know, kind ice cream is, I can say that. Uh, they were, they came to best restaurants and... Best mint chocolate chip in town, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, kind. And they, it's a well-named company. And they live here, and they now they have the store in the West End. Yeah, in uh, the Old Exchange yeah. Building. Yeah. I to know. my kids, to my kids' demise, because we used to ride our bikes or drive to the other location, but now that they're here in the West End... My wife and I make the kids walk. So the, the four kilometer walk's worth at least two scoops of ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> so there's an insight into how you are as a parent, which probably is connected to how you, you conduct your life as a boss. Well, my wife's a dietitian, so it, uh, yeah, lots of vegetables and broccoli in the house. <laughs> okay. <laughs> really good. So what's up for the fall? What do you, what do you, what do you see this fall in Edmonton? In Edmonton, well, uh, for Edify, we're celebrating our 15th anniversary of Top 40 Under 40. Yay. So that's November 28th at the Windspear. And, you know, um, when we started that program 15 years ago, I don't think we understood exactly the impact it was going to have. But we had a couple rules. And one of them was that um, we, we needed to do it with integrity. And that was that, you know, you ha- we had a, a judging panel it had to be independent. You couldn't buy your way in. I hate those awards where you kind of yeah. buy your way. Can I tell you something now? You started this talk about, you know, embarrassing me a little bit and trying to call me out. I'm going to call you out a little bit. When we first met, I was 36. I still fit under. Now I'm 48, so I can't. I can't. <laughs> I can't. But I never got a top 40 under 40, let well, me tell you. You got to do a top 50 under 50, maybe. Well, we do have an Edifier <laughs> program as well, which is any age. But it's for people who are building Edmonton. So there you go. You could do that. Uh, you know, one thing I, I do notice, like, you know, um, when I'm on, whoever is one, top 40 under 40, they love putting on their LinkedIn. There is, so it's certainly, it's, it's propagated throughout the city. People are very proud of that designation, that's for sure. Yeah, well then, and that's what I meant by impact. So I don't have it on my LinkedIn, by the way. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. No one nom- could have nominated you between 36 and 40. I don't remember. But, you know, the, the whole point of that, though, is that there are people who are doing really good things in our city. And that's what Edify is about. It's about the good things in our city. And I think if you, you know, I like that you have such a positive attitude and that's what we try to do in the magazine is we can, we can lift people up and elevate our city if we do that all together. Well, you know, I was talking to, uh, you know, one of our, our great r- restaurant tours in town just yes, 
yesterday. Um, you know, you know Chris, Chris Mena, the yes. Sabur, and I was talking to him. Uh, hopefully, he doesn't mind. Um, and uh, I said, uh, "You bringing back any any new ideas to Edmonton?" And you know what he said? He said, "And we should have, we actually should have him on this podcast." He said, "You'd be surprised how good our food is, and not just his food, not just Bodega or or, um, or Sabur's, but Edmonton has a great culinary scene, and I don't know if a lot of people really appreciate how." How advanced I think Edmonton is from the culinary scene. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm really proud of the culinary scene because we write about that in every single issue, and we have the best restaurants. And I have to tell you, Chris hosted Sabor was the host of our very first top forty under forty. Oh wow! Well, we're gonna have to get him on here then when he gets back. Yeah, that sounds good. But if if we do, you know, you know what my dream is is that we get a Michelin star restaurant in this city. I know, I know. But we do have fabulous yeah. restaurants in our city. We yeah. really do. No, absolutely. It, it's, a, it's a great, great food scene, for so sure. It's a good place to live. It's a good place to be in business. It's apparently, I'm reading recently about one of the most affordable places in all of Canada to live. Yeah, I mean, that, I, I've been sharing a lot of that with my, with my clients. I, I don't know if you saw the same graph that I saw, but when you talk, compare the, the, the kind of the five big cities... Uh, Edmonton being one of them, when, and, and they used, uh, if I get this right, they used average wage, um, average price of a house, um, and uh, yeah, Edmonton came in really, really, Calgary and Edmonton both came in really, really good compared to, uh, you know, the Vancouver's, the Montreal's, Toronto's, and, and Ottawa, mm-hmm. uh, Absolutely. And well, this is what we're here for, yeah. business in Alberta, let's bring it, let's bring it home. It's your podcast, John. Okay. Well, hey, thanks, Trudy, for coming out for our first podcast. Hopefully, you guys found it somewhat interesting, and we're going to continue to uh, to improve and bring it bring it to Alberta. Thank you very much. The Gallo on Business in Alberta podcast is produced by Odvod Media, odvod.com in Edmonton, Alberta. Original composition by Carson Scott. This podcast is not intended to be specific accounting or tax advice. We hope you listen to the discussion and use it to inquire about your particular situation. You can contact John Gallo by visiting gallollp.ca, G-A-L-L-O-L-L-P.ca.